thank you so much, Jennifer. Jennifer is a great leader. She is on staff with us part-time, and she gets things done, and I just appreciate her and her husband, Ben, very much. My name is Aaron, if you didn't catch that earlier, and I'm so glad to share scriptures with you this week as we're on the second week of Advent, and our theme is love. Now, love can come in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways love comes is through grooming advice. If someone loves you, they tell you what's up, right? Now, recently I had a meeting, Beth and I had this meeting at the church, and I was having a good morning, you know? I just, I actually got up early and did like a workout. My clothes were really like pressed and looked sharp, and I was just ready to go to work. You have those days sometimes, don't you? I mean, you're just ready to go. I didn't quite manage my time as, as good as I wanted to, and so... Breakfast was on the run. I grabbed these uh, cheese crackers, kind of pre-packaged cheese crackers, which they're Ritz crackers with like this powdered cheese in the middle. I, I can recommend them for your palate. They're really good. They really ta- they're tasty. So sometimes, you know, just grab that for a quick carb to, you know, kickstart the day, so to speak. So I'm in this meeting, and Beth is running. She, she's at a Bible study, and she's finishing up, so she's not quite there yet. And in my office, the part of the office that I sit, there's a bright fluorescent light over my head. I mean, this is like, it would be perfect for surgery, like if you didn't want to miss, miss anything. And, and this is the part of the office that I'm sitting in. And honestly, I'm feeling good about my meeting. I'm feeling very pastoral and very wise, you know, very professional, very early 40-ish, you know, like, man, I've accomplished some things in life. I'm running this meeting good. Well, Beth comes in uh, a few minutes later, and she gets this really puzzled look, and she looks at me and squints. She said, ooh. She reached up, and she wiped something off my eyebrow. And guys, that's when I realized that down on my shirt, there was that kind of cheese substance just (laughs) somehow got on my eyebrow, it got on my shirt. Man, God humbles you really quickly, doesn't he? I mean, he has a way of doing that, or I have a way of doing that to myself also. So here it is. What an expression of love. You've been in a situation, maybe it's with a boss or with someone you don't know that well, and man, something is stuck in their teeth, right? But you don't say anything, right? You don't say anything because if you say something, it's an awkward situation. But to your friends, to your friends, if things aren't going well, my wife said, I mean, she couldn't stand, you know, cheese residue on my, on my eyebrow. She, she wasn't going to let me go on with the meeting. And when I was in, in college, I played uh, football for this really, really small college, like, like it makes our high schools around here look gigantic. That's how small this college was. But I wanted to be really focused on, on the season that year. So just, I just went to the barber and just said, just buzz my head, man. Just buzz it. You know, just like, like a, it, was, it was like a microphone, that, one of those old fuzzy microphones. That's how my head was, you know. It just, you know, just, just my hair looked terrible. But I just wanted to be focused on football. And, and, and I noticed that as I tried to visit with the co-eds, I wasn't getting the response I was looking for. So finally, my, my buddy, Chip Ufford, said, Al, they used to call me Al, Al, I got to talk to you about something. The hair's not working out for you, man. You're not going to get a date until you grow out your hair. Can I just let you know, just don't even waste your time for another three to six weeks. That's true friendship, right? <laughs> that is true friendship. Well, our theme today is love. And what sometimes we mistakenly think is when we experience love, it makes us feel good. 
How in the world has all these Hallmark movies just it's become this acceptable, digestible entertainment? Like I keep seeing this on, on, on Facebook and they pop up in my house. So these movies that make you feel good because we think love is something that makes us just feel good. Well, today, if, if you didn't catch the verse that Jennifer read, I, I want to share a key part of Psalm 85. Verse 10 and 11 says this, faithful love and truth will join together. Love and truth will join together. This is what happens when the rule of God comes. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth. And righteousness will look down from heaven. I I love talking about the love of God. And what a message we have. Even that that video we just saw a few minutes ago is so powerful. It it gave such a a framework for the world we live in right now. And I want to... I want us to just not just talk about God's love, but to sing about it and to nurture it. And listen, we could think about God's love the rest of our life and we would never adequately grasp it. His love is just indescribable. And that's why I love to preach on it. But today, as I looked at the scriptures in the lectionary, and the lectionary is a list of scriptures that covers all of the Bible in about three years and churches all over the world uh, preach and do devotionals from this list, and that's what I'm preaching from right now during the Advent. I looked at the scriptures that were in the lectionary today, and I saw a different type of love. We wrongly believe that love is just how we feel, but love is something that doesn't just make us feel good, it makes us become good. I'm at my best when I'm truly loved, and being truly loved means sometimes I have to receive hard truth. And someone, someone who never tells me the truth probably doesn't love me. They're probably using me. Sometimes that can be hard. So here's my first observation about love today from the scriptures we're going to look at. Truth is the companion of love. Write it down if you're taking notes. Truth is the companion of love. And when I think about a man of truth, I think about someone who prepared the way for Jesus. The prophets spoke of this man. He was not the Messiah, but he was the one who prepared us for the Messiah. And so now many people still operate in the spirit of Elijah or the spirit of John the Baptist, a prophet of the Lord who says, I want to get you ready for Jesus. That's part of the role. that When we, when we proclaim the gospel, we proclaim... Uh, a, a gospel, a message of love and acceptance. And, and we, we, we uh, give God's love in this kind of big embrace. But in order to prepare people for the embrace of God, sometimes we have to uh, call them to repentance. And that's what John the Baptist did. People were not ready for the love of Jesus until John the Baptist was used by God to prepare them. And we look at part of John's story in Mark chapter 1. Starting with verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet. This is what Isaiah predicted would happen. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. 
the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. You see, Advent is talking about the appearance of God, the coming of God, Jesus coming. Jesus who came once will come again. And we're not fully prepared for the work of Jesus in our life when we're not people of repentance. And so the Lord is is sending his message and he's saying, listen, the way you're living is not the way I want you to live. I, I want you to turn away from your sin and turn to me. You see, what is damaging about sin is sin takes us away from God. God didn't just make up this list of sin and and just say, well, these are things I don't want people to do because I'm going to test them. It's not just a test. What it is, it's, it's behavior and choices and attitudes that take us away from the heart of God. The heart of God expressed in his holiness is, is, is pure love and pure truth and, and pure faithfulness and, and, and gentleness and all of the characteristics that you would want your God to have. But sin is selfish. Sin, sin uses people. Sin is sneaky. Sin is secret. Sin um, is propped up by, by systems that, that damage people. So even sometimes we don't feel like sin is, direct, is directly damaging us. Most likely if we follow a thought pattern, it is destroying somebody else. Maybe, maybe you think that, that you, you, you got away on a, on a business trip with, with prostitution. You're like, well, I get away with it. And it was just one time and it was just one trip. But what about the system that put those young ladies in prostitution. That system is destroying not just that lady, but whole communities and whole countries. See, that's why sin is so bad. It's not because God's trying to get you away from something. It's that God's trying to pull you to him. And Advent is is telling us God's love today. He's wanting you to experience his love, but he's saying to experience my love. Listen, you have to repent of your sins. And you have to say, I agree with God that what God said is wrong is wrong. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Isaiah chapter 40, one of our scriptures, I love verse 10. It says this, see the Lord God comes with strength and his power establishes his rule. His reward is with him. We'll just stay in verse 10 today. And his gifts accompany him. Listen to this. God comes, and it will say in verse 10, God comes with strength and his power and he establishes his rule. Now, if you've ever taught in a classroom or coached a sports team and, and you've worked with, with students, you realize that the first day of school, you realize that the first week of practice, you've got to be a little bit hard. You have to be authoritative. You, you have to set the rules. You can't just necessarily say, hey, class, I want to be your buddy this year. What do you all want to do? You want to learn math or you want to take recess all day, right? No, you got you to gotta be the leader. Say, this is, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We're going to have math, we're going to have English, so forth, so on. And, and you, establish, you, you establish your strength. And this is, this is really what the Lord has done through the Ten Commandments, what the Lord has done through showing his majesty and power. The Lord has come with strength. The Lord has come with strength and with power. And he said that, that I am separate from you. God is separate from us. His ways are higher. He is holy. We, you know, God is not just the evolution of man. Man can never get good enough to be a godlike figure. God is completely separate because he's separate from sin. He's holy and divine. And he establishes his strength and his power. So I think about this today in a lot of our point that, 
that the love of God that God wants to send to you is established by his truth. Now look what happens in verse 11 after God establishes his power. It says he protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them in the fold of his garment. And he gently leads those that are nursing. This idea of the shepherd um, grabbing some of the lambs that need more attention and he carries them. The shepherd being aware of the specific needs of his, of his lambs who may be nursing and may, may be vulnerable. So God is this God of strength. God is this God who establishes power. But then my second point today is that that tenderness is the atmosphere for love. What, what makes God's power so incredible is that he doesn't lord us over us and he, he doesn't lord it over us in an unappealing way, though he would have the right. And, and you could argue that, you know, his wrath is coming to the world and, and, and he, he has a kindness and compassion. He's delaying that wrath. And so we see that there's a tenderness about God. You know, power is most impressive when it is displayed tenderly. I mean, you've seen that. You've seen, you've seen many, many uh, examples and pictures of, of strong and mighty and majestic animals interacting with children and restraining their strength. You've seen pictures of huge bodybuilders holding these tender babies. This idea of, of restrained strength this idea that even though, even though the vehicle has the potential to go 100 miles an hour, it's going to go five miles an hour in the parade. It's, it's, it's holding back its strength. There's a tenderness about it. And it's, it's easy to flaunt our strength, but it takes great character and godlike qualities to, to be strong, but to operate in an atmosphere of tenderness. So for all of us, our tone of voice does matter. Our choice of words do matter. We glorify Christ most when we choose as much as we're able to tenderness in appropriate moments. And so the reason why this message of Advent is so good right now is because we need some comfort. Guys, we're, 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 we're troubled people. Many of us are in troubled times right now. I would dare say that every single one of us is either directly going through something difficult right now or we know somebody near to us, dear to us, is going through something difficult. Man, we, we, need, we need a message of hope that we had last week and a message of love. And so we go back to the beginning of Isaiah 40 and those words that I read to you in verse 10 and 11, here was the atmosphere for those words. Verse 1, comfort Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and, and announce to her that her time of servitude is over, her iniquity has been pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her, all her sins. In other words, her iniquity has been pardoned. Things are over. Verse 11, we go back to that again. This comfort, he protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lamb in his arms. He carries them in the fold of the garment. He gently leads those who are nursing. This confrontational word from the Lord, the call to repentance when we love the Lord is a comfort to us. 
We can have a God who's still speaking to us, a God who's still beckoning us, a God who's still calling us deeper, a God who's calling us to him. Man, don't ever get into the position when you, when you don't feel the conviction of the Lord anymore. Guys, listen, if you feel the conviction of the Lord, that's a gift from the Lord. It's when our hearts are hard and we have no sensitivity to the things of God. We have no interest in the things of God. We, we, we have no capacity to fill the spirit of God. And the word of God is something that, that just is not of interest to us. It's that's, that's when we're vulnerable. That's when we are one of those lambs who are drifting and away. But the good shepherd faithfully feeds his flock. He makes sure that, that everyone's nursed, everyone's fed, everyone's taken care of, everyone's watched over. And especially to the vulnerable, to the weak, and to the innocent. And I, I call you as people of love, as people who know about this advent of Christ and this coming of Christ, do something for the innocent and the weak and the vulnerable this Christmas. And what God wants you to do, you, you probably haven't thought of already. I know that we provide avenues for you to, to help but, but, but I'm calling you beyond obligatory kind of Christmas activity. Like, I gave my Christmas box. I'm taking the rest of the month off of love. I'm so glad they did that in November, right? That's a sarcastic remark. That's not, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, like when it's inconvenient and, and when it hurts a little bit and when it challenges you, like, love somebody. Who's vulnerable around you? Right? Who, 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 who is someone who is being oppressed and God is calling you to engage? God's calling you to participate. God's calling you to care. God's calling you to share his heart. And listen, because we have been shepherded well, we can be shepherds. Right? We're supposed to do the work of Jesus, are we not? So that means we've got to carry some people. We've got to love some people. We, 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 we have to be the type of people God wants us to be. I grew, up, I grew up in the same church most of my life. And so there, there were a group of friends that I kind of grew up with. And sometimes I was friends with them and sometimes I wasn't. And you know how that goes when you've been with, uh, especially through elementary and junior high, you've been through the same group of people. And like one season, you're best friends, and then you don't talk for six months. It's just really weird. Kids are really weird. I can say that because they're all in special classes right now. But, you know, they, they, they just... They, they, they are learning social interaction, so it, it kind of gets odd. So somewhere in junior high, seventh or probably seventh grade, I think, uh, my youth group went to Six Flags over Texas because I grew up in Dallas. So it's a, it's a big amusement park. And, and I had these group of guys that I grew up with, and, and I was kind of close to them and kind of not. I just wasn't sure where, where I was with them. I wasn't sure, am I in with this group or not? I, I wasn't really sure. So one thing I did not want to happen, I did not want to get lost. So I was a little paranoid. Everywhere, everywhere they went, I thought, where are they? You know, I was always the guy just a little bit behind, and I, I was following them. And we had this ritual. This was before people used, or teenagers used to use phones to communicate. Uh, we, we, we theoretically talked to the opposite gender. We didn't actually talk to them. What would happen is, is there would be a group of girls, and we were a group of guys, and we would follow the group of girls until they got to the end of the amusement park. Then we would turn, and then they would follow us back. And we would ride the same rides, and no one would ever cross the barrier of communication. 
verbal communication. It was all this nonverbal communication. You guys remember this? This happened in malls all across America when people used to go to malls. A group of girls would be there, a group of guys would follow them, they'd get to the end of the mall, flip, and they would go back. And so, and this was the context for um, something I had to do. I had to, I had to use the facilities. And so my, my buddies, I said, hey, I, I'm going to go. And I got really nervous. I'm like, I could leave and they could be gone forever. And, and, and so I came out of the restroom and they're like, where have you been? What's going on? We lost the group of girls. I can't believe we lost the group of girls. We've got to find them. Panic went through these 12-year-olds. You know, where are they? Let's go send out a search party. But I was so happy in that moment because they waited for me. They did. And from that point forward, that group of, those, that group of guys became my best church friends through high school. Okay? So th- there was something cool. These guys waited for me. They waited around. Here, here's the third point I want to give today. Is waiting is often a test of love. Waiting is often a test of love. I, I know those fellows wouldn't say they loved me, but they showed love to me then. Um, making sure I wasn't left behind or I wasn't forgotten and, and including me in their group was more important than following the herd of pretty girls. Okay, that is love, isn't it? Aren't we fortunate or better? Aren't we blessed? Aren't we favored that God waits on us? Man, the God who waits on me. See, I'm not everything... I could have been. I'm not where I should be. And you know what? God's plan to redeem the world and his choice to use me, man, he could have been a lot further along. If I were God, I would have left Aaron Allison behind a long time ago because I'm not always disciplined and I'm not always focused and I'm not always Jesus first. But he waits for me. And... So now we wait for him. That's what Advent is telling us. It's, it's, it's called it's this anticipation. It's the coming. Advent's the coming of the Lord. And so we, we say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we're going to wait for you. How much do you love the Lord? How much do you love the Lord today? One of the measures is this. How long are you willing to wait for the Lord? Lord, Lord I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you, Lord. I'll wait for you because I love you. That's where I want to be spiritually. A lot of times we definitely have created uh, secret timetables with God. God, if you come through by this time, if you come through in this way, Lord, this is my deadline. Get with my program, God. But Advent reminds us that part of waiting, part of loving is waiting. So our last scripture today, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 15. It's long, but it's worth reading. Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. By those metrics, by the way, Jesus has not even been uh, gone three days since he ascended to heaven. Guys, it is possible that the human race can exist for thousands of more years before the Lord comes back. Do you know that? It's possible. It's possible the Lord could come back today, and that's how we should live. 
But I think sometimes the way we interpret Scripture is so selfish. Okay, this is not in the notes, but here we go. We, 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 we interpret Scripture so selfish because we've done our thing and lived our life, and now we're just ready for the coming of the Lord instead of seeing the heart of God. And the heart of God may say he may wait out of love for hundreds of years before he comes back again. Is that okay with you? Are we so selfish that we, 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 we demand? See, when we say, Lord, come quickly, we're saying, Lord, establish your rule, establish your reign, establish your person, uh, establish your heart, not God, come and, and, and obliterate everyone because I'm better than them. That's been the heart of evangelical Christians, I think. That's been the tone, at least, that we've said. So we said, Lord, Lord, come, come, come. And so with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Verse 9, the Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Can we say amen to that? But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On the day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be destroyed, and you know what's going to be destroyed? Sin's going to be destroyed. Wickedness is going to be destroyed. That's what the Lord is talking about. His fire is a purifying fire. His fire is something that dissolves sin. It says all of these things are going to be destroyed in this way. It is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for and earnestly desire the coming of the day of, of God. The heavens will be on fire and be dissolved because of it and the elements will melt away and will melt with the heat. Verse 13, but based on his promise, we wait for the new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell. Guys, when the Lord, his full appearing comes, all of the things that destroy mankind will dissolve. And his righteous rule will come in a new heaven and a new earth. Therefore, verse 14, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort. I love the, the way those phrases are together. I meant to underline them to you, but you can figure it out. Underline them in your mind. Verse 14, while you wait... While you wait, make every effort. All right, isn't that a good combination? While you wait, make every effort to be found at peace with him without spot, without spot, spots aren't good either, but without spot or blemish. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as an opportunity for salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. By the way, that's an that's a incredible confirmation of the rest of the New Testament. Peter confirmed Paul's writing. So if ever you want to find some book that attacks Paul, like Jesus is different from Paul, well, Peter, who was with Jesus, said, no, you need to listen to how the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul also. I want to invite our ushers to begin to prepare to distribute communion this morning. Waiting is loving. Did y'all get that? So Advent teaches us to wait. Waiting is a sign of love. Some of you waited for your spouse. Some of you are still waiting for a spouse. Some of you are waiting for children. We have another baby dedication next service. Uh, 
I saw panic go over your eyes. Like, another one today? No, next service. And the next service at 1045, the family who we'll be praying with are like a lot of families in this church had to wait a really long time um, and, and the Lord to bring their child. And there's so much love. There's so much love when Laura had to wait nine months before she gave birth to her children. There's so much love when we, we, have, to, we have to wait for the handicap among us. Because you see, the handicap, you know, it takes them longer to, to get out of their cars and into their cars. And, and sometimes they can't travel as far. But you know what the gift they give to us is they slow us down. And maybe the extra time it takes to load and unload them and get them to where they need to go. Maybe, well, not maybe, I know God's in that moment. It's interesting, a lot, a lot of my friends these days are, are starting to age. I'm starting to have friends who, who, who are retiring. You know, I started the ministry a long time ago. I was 20 when I started the ministry. So now 22 years later, a lot of the guys who are my age now are starting to retire. And, uh, and they talk differently, they dream differently, they act differently, and, and uh, they're a little more quirky, some of the things they do. But they have, more, they, they have more time than they used to. And they have more time to listen to me. And they have more time to celebrate with me. Because see, when, 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 when we have to wait, God is in the wait. And there's a future day coming to you when you're going to miss the day you're in now. So don't despise today. For those of you who are waiting for something different, it's okay to desire a preferred future because that's part of vision. God gives us a preferred vision and he said a preferred future and that's what vision is, that you want something different. You, you want more companionship or you want more influence or you want more opportunity. It's okay, but between today and tomorrow be content in those days and wait upon the Lord and let his love come I don't know I have no reason to believe Jesus Jesus may return to the earth this year and it may be a thousand years or two thousand years but we need to be people who are loving him as we wait let's pray together Father, we, we thank you for these scriptures today. We thank you for your holy scriptures. Holy is your name, Lord. God, I'm so glad I have ancient wisdom uh, from your scripture so I can turn and receive strength um, from the same stories and the same words that the whole church has been enjoying for 20 centuries now. So, Lord, we just pray that your ways would rest on our hearts this day. And, Lord, as you have called us through the prophet Isaiah and through the ministry of John the Baptist to be people of repentance, as we go into this time of reflection, let us repent of sin. Let us, more importantly, uh, turn to you, because that's what true repentance is. So, Lord, we pray that you would point out anything you need to rearrange in us. And, Lord, give our heart great capacity for the things of God. Give our hearts great capacity for the things of God. Increase our hearts for you. We love you. We thank you. 
at the conclusion of my prayer, um, the bread and cup will come your way. I'm going to ask that you hold it if you choose to take communion. You may not want to. There's sometimes very valid and good reasons believers choose not to take communion. But if you choose to take communion today, if you're a believer in Jesus, when I conclude this prayer, hold the cup, hold the bread, then I'll come back shortly and we'll take it together. Father, we dedicate this time to you. Search our hearts, prepare us. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.